I love reading up about the CIA because the CIA are fucking fascinating. Some of the shit they get involved in, they're really dirty bastards. Like, did you know the CIA? Uh, you you can you can prove that the CIA funded Pokemon Go. The CIA have a, a company called InQtel, which is a huge amount of the American black budget goes into this private company called InQtel. And you can see that this is CIA funded. And then you look at what do they fund? And one thing they funded was Pokemon Go. And you're going, what the fuck did the CIA want with Pokemon Go? But really what it was is Pokemon Go, you walk out into the street, someone tells you there's a Pikachu around the corner, and now all of a sudden you're using your phone to map the entire road to find Pikachu. So they invested in Pokemon Go as a way to harvest data in countries. So if they want to, instead of having a spy satellite, they just make Pikachu appear in, in, in Korea. And everyone goes out and maps the road for them. And then the CIA have access to that data. And that's why they'd fund something like Pokemon Go. For more where that came from and to hear the complete extended cut of this interview in full with no ads every week and to get access to the full back catalogue of every single episode that we have ever released for just the price of a pint every month, go to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Hello there, and welcome to the first part of my conversation with Blind Boy Boat Club. To hear the full uncut ad-free version, including his thoughts on the housing crisis, monkeys escaping from cages, uh, UFOs, vaccinations, Pokemon Go, and lots, lots more, join me over on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. I have revamped the whole thing over there so you can get access to this show eight years of old interviews including my original blind boy episode mini series and more from irishman abroad for the price of a cup of tea and a bun each month i've known blind boy for so many years now but we haven't actually seen each other since we did a live episode of his podcast at the london irish center in camden in september 2019 since I've known him, he's really been the king of adding strings to his bow. I mean, books, albums, tour shows, podcasts, Twitch streaming while improvising songs and speaking out about a lot of stuff that needs to be spoken about. This man can do virtually everything. The first thing we talk about is how that growth and that expansion of what he does has been made possible in no small part by those who support him on Patreon. This week, my patrons got four episodes, including Sonia O'Sullivan on the similarities between Irish Matt LeBlanc and a strong pair of hips. Uh, we had an episode of 
my new mini-series on independent Irish bookstores with Kevin Gildee. On Friday, Marion McKeown took a deep dive into one of the worst and least spoken about atrocities in US history, the Tulsa Massacre of 1921. That's all over there for our members to enjoy now. Big shouts to everyone who's been in touch this week. Our email address is irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And our live line, our WhatsApp number, is in the info for this episode. Sit back and enjoy the first half of my interview with Blind Boy Book Club. Blind Boy, thanks so much for doing Irishman Abroad again. It's great to have you back. It does feel like a million miles away from when we first talked about starting podcasts at Electric Picnic. Yeah. And just like, I feel like I would love you just to open this chat, just to, because I sometimes have difficulty explaining to my listeners that them signing up to a show like mine or yours on Patreon, on Patreon. can change your life, can actually change Absolutely. your life. Is that the case for you? Yeah, so when me and you chatted in, you were doing Irishman Abroad and I went up to you and I said, Jarla, this podcast business that you're doing, you know, I, I wouldn't mind getting into that. And you specifically said to me, if you're getting into it, make sure you get into it for the passion of doing it and not necessarily the money of it. Hmm. And I was kind of going, yeah, fuck it. Do you know what? That's grand because, as you will know, the nature of our industry, like I spent my entire 20s as a professional entertainer, but not really earning a living from it hmm. or if you are you don't know like i'd be selling out fucking venues in london i might have a tv show but essentially you're getting paid in likes and retweets and when you do get paid it's like okay this will do me for six months i don't know where i'm going to get money in another six months so now you can't plan at all and what patreon has done for me and it's very simple what i do is i, I have my podcast and i say to people if you enjoy my podcast would you give me the equivalent of a pint or a cup of coffee once a month? And some people say yes and some people say no. And I let them know, that's fine if you don't want to. But if you do give me that cup of coffee, you're paying for someone else to listen. And it's a kind of a really fair arrangement where people, like the thing is, podcasting is a really engaging medium. So when people listen to your podcast, they really enjoy it. And it's a nice private space. And it's more than just entertainment. The podcast is parasocial. It's not like sitting down with the radio. It's not like sitting down with the TV. There's an element of a private meditation, which is quite similar to reading a book. And a podcast can take you away from the anxiety of everyday existence. Mm. And I find people really value that. So a certain amount of people value it enough that they might give me a fiver or they might give me a fiver for three months or four months. And for the first time in my professional career, and that includes gigs, TV, the whole shebang. For the first time ever, I know what my, I know what I'm getting paid next week. And I know what I'm getting paid the week after that. And the freedom that that has given me to create is phenomenal because what it's done is I now have space for failure. And for me personally, as a creative person, having space to fail is what allows me to make good work and to have meaning. So... I would say to the listeners of your podcast too, when Jared is asking for Patreon, he's not taking the fucking piss. This is, <laughs> this is a way for you to, this is, this is a way for you to do what you're doing, anxiety free. And mm. maybe to, because to, I know too, you, you do stand up, but you're not, 
can't do much of it right now. I don't know, is it different in the UK? God, but no. you spent a no, long no. time this, with no gigs. This is where the eggs are. They're in this basket for sure. Y- your eggs are in the podcast basket. Yeah, for now. I mean, we're putting out four episodes a week. We're doing extra content and, you know, everything and anything. And I don't have a team, as I say to you. It's, it's yeah, just me and Brian Connolly. So, yeah. yeah, I find that sometimes the I feel so indebted to the people that have signed up. Mm-hmm. Like so appreciative to them that I, I sometimes that gets me anxious that I feel like I'm not doing enough for them. Do you do you suffer with that at all? Do you ever feel like I, I really beholden to those people? So I really try not to think like that. So the, here's how I think about this, Jarla, is if I allow myself to sit down and, and actually appreciate the amount of people that are listening to the podcast. I would I'd freak out a little bit and what I have to do is I so I have to pretend that no one listens to it and because the fact of the matter is I started off the podcast with no listeners and it spread by word of mouth and the reason people liked my podcast at the start is because I'd effectively given up my career I, I, I was like I'm retired I don't give a fuck I'm gonna go back and do a master's degree and do something else and the podcast was just a way for me to, I'd gotten to write a book. I was just trying to sell a book. And I didn't care whether the podcast was going to be good or bad. What I cared about was, was this podcast something that I would like, mm. that I would enjoy making and that I can stand over, which is something you don't get to do in, like, here's another thing, which is lovely about the Patreon and podcasts. I've experienced working in TV in all my years of working in TV, I've I've never made something that is 100% what I can stand over. When you make television, you have to work with a bunch of commissioners and ideas always get diluted down to the point that it's never exactly what the artist wants. With podcasting, because it's 100% independent, you're actually making what you want to make. And that's what podcasting allows me to do. So the reason I don't think about a large audience is people don't like my podcast because I made it to appeal to a lot of people. People like my podcast because I started off making something that I was passionate about. Like I compare podcasting sometimes to, and this is a hipstery analogy, but something like craft beer, right? I said this last week because sometimes I'll do deep dive history podcasts Mm. and I'll spend the week doing shit tons of fucking research. But... It's just one person. And sometimes I'm doing research outside of an area that I would have studied in. So I'll often make mistakes. I'll make little mistakes, not huge mistakes, but little errors. I might get a date wrong here and there, but certainly I don't make podcasts that would be academically rigorous. And what I say to people is this is like when you go to a microbrewery and they have a beer and that beer is small batch and you can see where it's made behind the counter. And you order it and it's really unique. It's like, fuck me, this beer is really special and different because it's small batch and it was made just over there. But there's floaty bits in it. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be as smooth and perfect as Heineken. Mm. But that's not why you're there. If you wanted a Heineken, you could get a Heineken. So podcasting is like that. It's small and independent and it's made by people who are very passionate about what they're doing. And that's why... Like as well, Jared, when I was talking to you in 2015 and I talked to you about podcasts, the space was very different. Big the time. people who were listening to your podcast were 
people who were searching out podcasts because they needed to get the fuck away from radio and TV. And now what's happened is podcasts have become mainstream. So the problem there is, and this is another reason why it's important to people to support on Patreon podcasts like yourselves or myself, because we're fully independent. The podcast space at the moment is being overtaken by big money, media companies, the people who are making newspapers and radio shows. They're pumping all this money into podcasts. They're getting big names and quality is being reduced. So the podcast charts are being taken over by some person who's a really big name and they've been thrown into a studio and a production company has said, just go in there, talk into a microphone. The person doesn't think about it. They walk away and the medium as a whole now, the quality has reduced or, or has been diluted. And quite more frequently now, you, you listen to a new podcast and you're disappointed. So podcasting has always been about small independent creators trying to escape that kind of toxic environment of the mainstream. And if if we don't support small independent podcasts, then what happens is it's just going to turn into radio point two. And who the fuck wants that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm interested in the, uh, the, I mean, first of all, thanks a million for saying that. I sometimes think that uh, it's like when you're talking to your parents, it's if your older brother says it, they'll listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but because yeah. you're the little guy, they're like, I don't, I'm not listening to that. That it, it helps. It, it's helped to massively. Do, do to you feel have, worried asking people for uh, Patreon subscribers on the podcast ever? I d- definitely. Man, I don't know how to pitch it because you don't want to be like pat cap in hand. Please help me. You, you know, I, I, I very much stand over what I do and go, it's it's really good. I've put eight years of my life into it and you now get four episodes a week on all sorts. Like we've true crime, we've, uh, you know, uh, toxic, toxic masculinity uh, series, we've the American politics series and uh, a culture show. Do you know uh, what else though there, Jarla? And that's worth having a conversation about because they, so when you're describing there, you were saying that there can be a feeling of kind of cap in hand. Mm. And I think, and this is something that I've started doing recently, we need to stop looking at Patreon as a donation thing. Mm. Do you get me? Like I've started saying it's it's not a donation. You're just paying me for the work that I'm doing. Exactly, yeah. We we have this feeling of that Patreon is like a GoFundMe, that it's like, this is the last resort. And because of this, I'm now begging. Mm. And some people have this view of a model like Patreon, like it's, you're begging. And it's like, no, we've grown up with the internet. And the internet, you know, as far back as the 2000s, things like music, things like anything that you output digitally, we've come to accept it as being free. And that shouldn't be the case. Like, I can put an album up on Spotify and earn no money from it because of the plays. So we all understand that environment exists. So Patreon is like, it's not a donation. Here is a new way for you to directly pay a person for a piece of work that you're enjoying. I and think, it, and yeah. it's, it's very direct as well, because if someone gives you a fiver on Patreon, you see at least 60% of that fiver, I think. Hmm. Compared yeah. to a play on YouTube or something like that. So I, I think people, I think creators in general, donate, I think the word donate should be removed from the conversation. Donate to my Patreon. It's like, donate for what? Yeah. I'm doing, I'm, I'm creating work. 
you're consuming it and enjoying it. Like if a chef makes someone a meal, they're not going to say, do you want to, unless it's the, the Harry Krishnas, that's a different story. Yeah. But it's like, no, do you, do you want to pay me for my work? And the model that I use, which I think is, is actually quite nice, is I say to people, I'm making a podcast. You enjoy listening to it. Uh, do you want to pay me for that work? But if you, if you can't, that's absolutely fine. You don't have to. You can listen for free. And then I say to the person who is paying, you're paying for my work. And then you're also paying for someone else who can't afford it. And I think that's a, quite a nice model. But there's, it's not donation. Hmm. It, it, is, uh, it is kind of part of uh, the vernacular that views the artist and the creator as the lowest rung on the ladder. And it wasn't hard mm -hmm. to feel that in the last 18 months. Uh, as Panty Bliss said on this show, we felt disposable. You can wait. It doesn't matter what happens to you. And that a certain amount of lip service is paid in our country to saints and scholars and the place of the arts. And like a, I compared it to a, a nice cat that live out in the garden for most yeah. of the year. And then on Christmas Day will look cute by the fire. Like fucking James Joyce, man. They spent the like Ireland spent the majority of James Joyce's lifetime banning his books and ignoring him. And now they love him so much they want to dig his bones up and fly him to Dublin. It's it two is, extremes. It, it, like it is, it is hard to to take. And the last eighteen months, uh, I'm sure you felt it, a range of feelings around it. And in some ways, we talk about it and we allow people to express what they felt in in lockdown. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand. We don't want to hear it like there. I think that the the true lip service and the, the bit of a facade and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong. Is to the sense that Ireland and people in this part of the world have to. Oh, of course, we respect your mental health journey. Mm -hmm. But the second it starts to impinge upon your work, then the word mental toughness comes up. Or resilience, yeah. Yeah. What What do you make of that, and how how that kind of scales and line is is blurring, particularly in a week that saw Naomi Osaka have to pull mm -hmm. out of this Grand Slam tournament in, in France for simply well, saying that this this what you're making me do is is affecting my mental health. First thing I I'd, first thing I'm going to address is is just the, the the things you were saying there about art and artists and how we view it, how we value it in society. Okay. So there is an issue with, so because the our job, so my job and your job, we're trying to provide someone with a space where they can enjoy themselves, right? We're mm. effectively providing entertainment. So because we're providing a space to entertain, sometimes we can't make it look like work. If you go and do a stand-up, Jarla, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a good set, nobody in that audience can ever feel they don't want to know about the writing that went into your jokes. You need to make people feel that this is almost off the cuff, yeah. that it's not rehearsed. And if you do that, you've done your job. People have felt they've just spent an hour in front of a very spontaneous, funny friend. Mm -hmm. But the fact is you've spent the, a huge part of your life honing your craft, getting better, writing jokes, seeing what works. But you can't let anyone see that. Because once you do that, you've stopped entertaining. So 
it's it's weird. It's almost like being good at your job as an entertainer means that people immediately devalue it. You know what I mean? hundred like, percent. No. You've just put on a good stand up and then afterwards you go, that was work. And then they go, oh, was it really? Mm. Oh, fuck. I thought you just made that up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not fun anymore now. It's I don't the... want to know about you staying up till two in the morning writing a joke. That's not fun. <laughs> Do you get me? Yeah. And it goes for all art. Our, our, n- not only that, like, like you as, as a, both of us, you, you also kind of have to pretend that you're more successful than you are in order to be successful. And this goes for singers, it goes for anyone. You have to perform success because then success comes towards you. Mm-hmm. But then, and this is where the, the Patreon and the donation thing comes in, where it's like, you don't want to look like you're begging if you get me. So it's yeah. like, how, how do you let people know, I'm actually not earning from this and if you don't pay me, I can't earn. And at the same time go, however, I'm setting out shows and doing really well. And those two things, it's hard to weigh the two of them up beside each other. And I think that's one of the reasons why we tend not to value art. It's, it, art is too much fun. It's way <laughs> yeah. too much fun. But what I say to people during the pandemic, let's stop saying art and say creativity. You literally can't move. Unless you're in, in a forest right now, you cannot move your human eye an inch in your room without seeing something that a creative person had input in. And that could be the industrial design on your phone. It could be the fashion designer that made your clothes. Creative people re- have a huge impact on the, on the world. And we tend to view it kind of as ambient sometimes and to not value it because it's so much fun. Hmm. No, a hundred percent. And, and it does tie in with the last question because in that way, getting upset or feeling a strain from it uh, or the lack of, of work within it yeah. is seen as, well, there, you know, there are people with actual mental health problems yeah, and those or what, that what are about stressed the nurses and doctors. Because, yeah, exactly. There's this constant comparison of your mental health situation is less important than this mental health situation. There, there is something though in how the umbrella term of mental health is being applied across everything. And I'm raising this because it's been in the news this week about, well, is that your mental health or is that just the stress of your job? What do you say to that? And do you know the the kind of chats that I'm referring to? Is that your mental health or is that the stress of your job? Yeah, see, that, that's a difficult question, right? That's a difficult question. because So what that comes down to is, so quite a lot of, of mental health approaches can be very individualistic, right? Mm. Like a, a mental health approach that works for me is cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's quite individualistic because cognitive behavioral therapy says it's not what's happening to you, what's causing your pain. It's, the, it's how you react to what's happening. And that can be very insulting for some people because if a person's environment is really, really tough, it's not very nice to say to that person, it's not your environment, it's how you're, it's, it's how you're addressing your environment. Do you get me? I do. So that's a tough one. That doesn't have a, a, a black and white answer. I mean, so what, I'll, I'll, I'll try and speak from my perspective. When the fucking pandemic hit and... I'm basically going, oh, no, I don't have gigs now. 
And I, I thought it would only be three months. I didn't know it'd be, more, it'd be more than a year. I haven't gigged in more than a year. And I said to myself, I can't control this situation. So the only thing I can control is my attitude towards it. And I took that attitude from the very start. And I said, well, what can I do that has nothing to do with gigs that I might also might be able to pursue as a career? So I moved everything online. I started streaming on Twitch, which is a live streaming platform. I learned a lot of new skills in that respect. And I think post pandemic, I'm going to try and not rely upon gigs. Like I'm still going to gig. I'm just going to try and not rely upon gigs. So that was something I did in that situation where the pandemic was impacting my mental health, but I chose to go, I can't control this. What I can control is my attitude towards it. Hmm. And it all it did is help me cope, but it didn't make the pandemic go away. It didn't make the fact that there's no gigs go away. What it did is, it was the difference between being sad and being miserable. The thing with mental health with me, and especially this pandemic, I have to accept that we're suffering right now. We're all suffering. So I have a choice. Do I want my day to be unlivably terrible or just shit? And shit is better than unlivably terrible, if you get me. Those are my options. So I try and make my day shit. Because I can't change the environment. I can't change that there's a lockdown. I can't change the fact that I haven't gotten TV work in more than a year because TV, the TV industry, they can't fucking film because of COVID regulations. So I have a choice between a shit day and an unlivably miserable day. And I, I, I try and work on not having the unlivably miserable day because I can still have meaning in a shit day. So let me ask you this, because I fully understood this quandary that you found yourself in, that for a time there, you found it really hard to accept or get used to the idea that people are taking me seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think you related to the person dressing as a clown being flabbergasted that people considered them to be a clown. Yeah. But you you were given more than just people taking you seriously. You were nearly put in a position as, inverted commas, a spokesman for a generation. And part of that was, I felt, that the, there was so few spokespeople that there was a lurch towards, finally, someone who's actually trying to talk about this generation but all of the all of that weight then got heaped upon you. What's it like to come through that? And where are you with it right now? Um. Well, that's like yeah. I, I went on the late late, and I I what I what I said was my generation. I can't even fucking remember it now. I it just it was an after can't afford to have kids, can't afford to buy houses, and are either leaving the country or jumping in rivers. Yeah, and I said that in, I think it was like 2016, it would have been at the, the word recovery would have been used in terms of the e- economy. It certainly wasn't as bad as the, the the recession. Things were getting a little bit better out of the recession. And I think I just managed to put into a small amount of words what a lot of people were feeling. And and often the times with a, with a statement like that is, it's something everybody knows Everybody's feeling this. It's sometimes it just requires words to unlock that feeling into something you can verbalize. And I'd accidentally done that. And I don't know, I didn't pay much attention to it. That this voice of a generation shit, that's that's harsh shit. What's that? I said one thing. Again, I don't think it's the same thing at my podcast. I I, I 
I have to just make what I enjoy and mm. I, I really try not to think about what other people want because as soon as do, I do that, I'm not going to make something that is, is good, do you know? Um, yeah, but like when, like I, I respect that massively because I struggle with it in a huge way from mm-hmm. a personal level. I can't help but think, and loads of people will relate to this, I can't help but think what, what this is what is required of me and so much of great artists through history were able to distance themselves from what was expected of them towards what their inner voice what their creative spirit was driving towards i mean that's what separates great from good but if if i start thinking about what's expected of me right i'm now not doing my job it's it's like p- people don't like a person's work because they're making something for an audience. It, comedy is a good example of that. Good comedy is often when y- you feel like you've 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 walked in on an in joke between two friends. It feels like being around funny people, mm. and any people who who emerge from making stuff into their bedroom onto a larger platform. It's often because they're making something that makes themselves laugh or making art that makes them laugh because they're being authentic to themselves. And that's what we, as people who enjoy art, like. And I just know myself, fuck me. If, if, I, if I said to people, what do you want me to do a podcast on next week? And I then went and did all those suggestions, I would be making a shit podcast because it's not authentic. It's not what people want. So there you have it. That's the little taste. Come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Join up, as Blind Boy said. That's how this show works. That's how he and I have been able to fund our creative output, make our podcast, and keep making this stuff consistently for you. I think it's about that time. There's a whole revamp taking place on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. You like the show? You want some more? That's the place to go. There's another half an hour of this conversation and we really do go some unusual places with this discussion. I think you're going to love it. Patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. My chosen charity partner is the youth mental health charity Jigsaw.ie. Why not support them this week if you can? Brian Connolly's on production. John Marr does impeccable extra research for this show Tina and Mikey make it all possible but of course the patrons are the lifeblood of this podcast so come on over patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad